Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. ...what you can accomplish. Say, well, I'm just a rope guy, Pastor Noe. Hey, that's all we need right now. So whatever God calls you to do, do it. So we're in week two of our purpose series, and and I'm going to jump right in. Um, One thing that we, you know, as a church, we want to continue to yield to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in and through us. In in a lot of this uh, purpose series, I think I'm going to have to keep going back to where you define and figure out your purposes in the presence of God. You know, so I really believe that as we speak about purpose, I'm believing in worship moments, like even like we had this morning, that if you say, Pastor, no, I don't know what I'm built for. I don't know what God has called me to. I cannot answer the why I was created, that it's in that moment of his presence that we discover purpose. So the purpose series, it focuses on the why. Okay, so I'm gonna read this slide to you real quick. It says a series focuses on why you were created and realizing God's plan for your life, for your life. You realize God has a plan for you. Thumbs up, thumbs down, or I like this one right here. Yeah, Pastor Noe, sometimes I don't know. But I'm hoping as we go through this purpose series that you identify your purpose, that you realize what you've, what you've been built for, what you've create, been created for, and that you thrive in every moment, every season of your life. So the definition of purpose is it's the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. We used those definitions uh, last week, so I want us to continue to remind ourselves of that why we did it, why, what we're created to do, the reason for which our existence is. So um, this morning, we're going to jump into week two. And, and I asked you last week a question. I said, I encourage you to say, ask God this, why did you create me? And what have you purposed for me to do? Now, I hope that most of you in the room took some time to do that. And you asked God, you said, God, what have you purposed for me to do? How have you created me? You know, what, what, is, what, is, what is your plan for me? If you don't take that time to hear the voice of the Father speak over you what you are, the devil will tell you what you aren't. That wasn't on my notes. If you don't allow the voice of the Lord to tell you who you are, the enemy of this world will tell you who you're not. And the problem is we'll believe it. Well, I'm not good at that, Pastor Noah, or I'm not a people person, or I don't have anything to offer. I think sometimes our, just our willingness will go a long way. And we'll see God use that. So to hear God, we really have to position ourselves to hear what He is saying by turning down the background noise. You know, one of the keys to really unlocking our purpose is realizing why it is that God created you. And how we do this, it's spending time in the presence of God. It's super cool because we, we don't plan mornings like this. We don't say, okay, worship team, when we get to that song, hit that perfect chord, and we're going to jump into this moment of worship we can't create that. We can't plan that. That's called that spontaneity, that, that, that part where our set list ends and God's list starts. It's where God says, I want to do something different. And I think that, that that phrase of will we make room for God? Will we allow what we're doing to, God, to allow God to have a part of that? Now, we can make it, you know, all you know, prepackaged. We can put it in a box and say, hey, Lord, this is the only stipulations we're going to give you. Oh, but we will miss out on a ton of awesomeness. But if we open it up, one thing that I do as as a preacher and worship leader and anything that I do, anything that God gives me, I take it and I hold it in my hand like this. And I say, Lord, this is what I have to offer this morning. 
If you want to use it, I've prepared, I've planned. Here's everything I have. But let's say he says, oh, that's no good. And he knocks it out of my hands and he puts something else there. The moment we get to that place of where we, say, we hold it tightly and say, God, this is what you're going to use, rather than if you so want to use it, that's where we really see God multiply those things that he's given us. Because the ability to preach, the ability to teach, the ability to play an instrument, all of those things, these are gifts that God has given us. But if we will yield those gifts back to Him and hold them open-handed, we will see God multiply the gift. He will use the gift, and He will just sprinkle His goodness all over it. You know, I had so many people last week just say, Pastor Noe, that message just brought something to life in me. And I went back, I told Becky, I said, I don't know what I said. The production guys, they get my notes every single week, and they said, Pastor Noe, you were all over the place. I probably wanted to throw my notes away. So why'd you make those slides if you weren't going to cover it? Because I would rather be obedient to what the voice of the Lord is saying, and we will, we were, we will actually experience moments of glory in amongst the service. Or I can just read my notes to you. What do you prefer? The real deal, right? That's what we want. We want God to flow in and through everything we do. But it's in His presence that He reveals to us why we were created. You know, a a lot of times in His presence, He will show you who you are. You know, we think about people in the Bible. You know Moses couldn't speak, but yet God called him to do great things, to lead the people of Israel. You know, we see Abraham, who who was called to be a father of, of many nations, of a great generation, and yet he didn't have any kids yet. But this was the word of the Lord that, that God had spoken over him. Like Joshua, you know, filling Moses' shoes where it was like his turn, the inadequacy to lead the people like his previous successor. All of these feelings, these emotions of inadequacy, and there's so many more in the Bible, but yet God still spoke something over them and called them to greatness, even when they didn't see the greatness within them. You know, if we look at 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, so this is where the Lord appears to Elijah And this was his instruction in verse 11. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and scattered the rock before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then verse 12, it says, Then after the earthquake came the fire, but the Lord was in the fire. Now, if we stay in the natural... If a mountain is being torn apart, I would say, oh, that's the Lord. Or if I see the wind begin to affect all of these things, I say, oh, that's the Lord. Or if I see a fire, you know, oh, that's the Lord. And, and I think sometimes we will look at the natural things and we don't see the spiritual things. You know, the production team, and they've been working hard with all these lights and things. It's not about getting the light in the perfect spot that causes the glory of the Lord to fall. Even sometimes we work like that, right, Pat? we got to get it just right. Man, if we can get that illumination just right, we'll see the glory of the Lord permeating off of you, Pastor Noe. No, Uh, what I'm saying is it's not always in what we see or what we think. So then it goes on. It says that all of these things that, you know, the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, we talked about how the Lord is a consuming fire, right? As everything was cleaned and removed and burn up. And when we are in the right configuration and everything of ourselves has been removed from our lives by the fire of God's holy fire working in our lives, what happens then? It says, then came a gentle whisper 
in other passages, other, other translations, says a still small voice. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. The mouth of the cave. So our purpose this morning as, as we dig into what is our purpose is to be a reflection, is to reflect the image of Christ to the world. That, that's going to be our focus point to do. It's, it's going to be reflecting Christ. You say, Pastor Noe, what is my purpose? To reflect Christ. When people look at you, they should see the fingerprints. They should be, see the markings of Christ in your life. They shouldn't see the heathen. Have you ever seen the ugly come out of yourself? Get that outer body experience. You're like, oh, no, what am I doing? That is not representing Christ. You've been there. Think about it. You don't want to talk about it. Put it under, put it under the, sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about that. And then you say, Pastor Noah, grace is new every day. I don't want to be judged for what I did yesterday. But right, our testimony sometimes, you know, when we're squeezed, right? But our ultimate purpose is to reflect Christ in everything we do. So when a person looks at your life, do they see that you've been transformed by the mighty power of God? Do people notice something different about you? Have they ever asked you that? There's something about you, not the crazy side of you, but the spiritual side of you. They say, something's different. When you walk in the room, it's just, there's something about you. Right? 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, In all, we all with unveiled faces, contemplate or reflect in the mirror the Lord's glory, which means we look like Him. We should reflect Him. And it says, our being transformed into whose image? His image with ever-increasing glory. And other translations say from glory to glory, from moment to moment, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we have to realize the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and He is who does the transforming. You know, you can only act good and look right for so long before you lose your stuff. I'm just telling you, you can, you can grit your teeth, you can hold on, you can try to be a good person all you want. But if there is not the work of Christ in your life changing you from the inside out, because the inside's going to come out. Ms. Renee talked about removing a mask, being transparent, being real. Do we just fake it? Do we just play church? Or have we really been transformed by the power of God? Because if we're going to impact lives and we're truly going to be a reflection of Christ, we have to have lives that are transformed. Now, even on our good days, you know, people are going to judge. It doesn't matter. They're going to judge you for what you do wrong. They're going to judge you for what you're doing right. It's not really going to matter. But we have to realize that the Holy Spirit is doing this work in our life. Now, some of you may challenge me this morning and say, Pastor Noe, I'm so messed up. Are you sure that the Holy Spirit is still working in my life? I want you to know this morning that even receiving salvation is an act of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You do not come to the place of salvation without the Holy Spirit working and impacting your life. It says that He convicts the world of sin. He brings you to that place of righteousness, of realizing that you're in need of a Savior and need changing in your life. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So don't say the Holy Spirit's not working. Proclaim from your mouth that He's still at work. Because he wants to continue to work. He wants to do what only he can do. But you have to release him into your life. You have to open every single door of your heart. Sometimes we only allow God a little bit of space and we just see a little bit of change. A little, little bit of space, a little bit of change. And we get mad at God and say, God, why are you not changing me? Because you're still hiding. You know, that, that's the thing that, that amazes me is we think we can hide things from God. 
We think we can deceive the Holy Spirit and he can't see what's really going on. When we talk about purpose, the reason we go to God to figure out what our purpose is is because he sees us who we really are. But you know what the good thing is? He sees beyond our flaws and imperfections. And it just so happens that we have a miracle working God that uses those imperfections and those flaws to receive the most glory. Man, how did you break that habit in your life? I thought you were addicted to that, man. How did, you, how did God work that out in your marriage? And Man, God works beauty among the ashes. He changes these things for his glory, for his glory. And us as Christians, really all we can do is shrug our shoulders and be like, man, I don't know, God's good. I didn't do anything. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I mean, there were seasons of my life, maybe I tried real hard to fix that, but I figured out I couldn't. You know, that's the place that I'm at, guys, just to be transparent. I'm seeing how much work God is doing in my life. When I just step back and I let him take the wheel of my life and say, Lord, you do what only you can do. And then I'm brought to this humble place of my insignificant role in all of this. Because it's more about what God does than what Pastor Noe does. We can't grit our teeth long enough and work hard enough to be right. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit in our life that changes a heart of stone and makes it a heart of flesh. That changes our passions and our desires and causes us to be what? Reflectors of Christ's image. That's where the permanent change happens. But coming to the knowledge of Christ is the beginning and the started work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It says being transformed into his image. We're being transformed. You know, so today, if I were to ask you, does your life look more like Jesus today than when you first came to know him? Some of you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be personal. Maybe, maybe you look more like the world today than you, than you did when you first came to know him. But if the process is working like God wants it to work, you look more like Jesus today than you ever have. That's how it should work. If, you're, if you call yourself saved and you, you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you look more like the world than you ever have, man, I don't know. Something ain't working. And it's not the Holy Spirit. Somebody's not cooperating. And it's not the Holy Spirit. Y'all know where the broken variable is, right? Hang your head real low, look sad, and point at yourself. Shame moment, right? A shame moment of saying, it's me, Lord. It's not yielding, that's not forgiving, that's not changing, that's not being obedient, that's not lining my life in the obedience of what your word says. I'm the weak link. But guess what? He came for a weak link just like me. Because he can put it all back together even when I mess something up or I break it. So if you're not reflecting Christ more today than you ever have, evaluate, stop, and allow yourself to begin to cooperate with what God is doing. So what else can affect our lives? What, what else can affect our reflecting Christ? Man, I'm so glad you asked. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33 through 34. In the NAS, NASB, it says, Do not be deceived. It's pretty clear as soon as you get in that passage. Do not be deceived. Do not be tricked. But pay attention to what it's about to say after that. It says, Bad company corrects or corrupts good morals. Okay, it says be sober-minded, so that means think clearly, come back to your senses is what that's saying there, as you ought, and stop sinning. You know, it's, you know the Scripture's really funny. It just says stop sinning. Well, we're going to justify sin, right? Well, Lord, if you knew how hard it was, 
Well, you know my tendencies, you know my shortcomings. You know that it says that Jesus was all man, but he was all God, and that he was tempted in every single way and yet did not sin so that he could release the ability by the grace of God in our lives to say no to any sin. You know, you can get sanctified to the point that you have to choose sin rather than just be sin. Pastor, no, I can say no? Absolutely. You know, I know a lot of times we'll say, well, it's just my fallen nature. We're just sinful by nature. But by the power of God, he gives you the ability to say no. You know, we look at the law and a lot of people are like, ah, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And my wife and I, we've been talking about this struggle. It's like, okay, you're not under the law, but you're under grace, but you can sin, but you're forgiven for that. To me, it's just this mind-boggling concept of this grace and this law, and yet grace allows me and enables me to fulfill everything that was written in the law, but not by my own strength. And, but when I look at the law, then it causes me to go back to this area of just condemnation, but then I'm going to come back over here in grace. And I was like, this grace thing, Lord, I got to figure it out. Because it's really nothing I can do, but it's by the grace of God. And then Paul goes on to say really clearly, he says, well, grace is there and it's made abundantly more available to you, not so that you can sin, but that you could walk, what, righteously. That's what it's all about. It's not a license to sin. But if there's any good thing in me, anything that has changed has been by the mercy and the grace of the Lord, not by anything that I've done. But we realize it says, you know, bad company corrects, uh, I keep saying that, I'm sorry, corrupts good morals. Now look at this. You have to understand this morning that you will become like those that you hang around. You say, well, Pastor Noe, I thought I was supposed to be a witness. You are, but you don't live with the heathens. You're going to be like those you hang around. You know, I heard, I heard somebody telling me about uh, single life versus married life. Uh, they said, if you're going to hang out with single women and you're married, you got to stop that because single women are thinking about things that married women should not be. And if you stay in that environment long enough, you might become single. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I never, I, I never thought about that. Or, or vice versa, single guys, I mean, just ain't worried about a family. You're not worried about responsibility. You know, but who you hang around, it's going to affect you. But realize that it does not say that you will be influenced and changed. Uh, you know, it, it says, you, you know, that bad company is going to corrupt your morals. It doesn't say that you should go and affect those. You know, so it's talking about, you know, if you're in that environment, it can negatively affect you. So I think being in those environments long enough, it's going to change you. It's going to jack you up. It's going to set you back. You know, I remember uh, when I was young, I liked, y'all like life stories? especially when they're my life stories and not your life stories, right? You love it. I remember when I was young and uh, I cussed one time. And my mom said, well, if you cuss, it, it don't just slip out. You must cuss all the time. I said, mom, I don't cuss. And she's toe to toe. You remember? She remembers. Okay. And I told her, I said, I don't cuss. I don't, you know, and, she, and I was like, and then I was thinking about this scripture that if I am around it all the time, I become it. And I heard it all the time, and then woo-woo, it came out. And once you send the word, guess what, buddy? You can't get it back. And if mama's around, she ain't ever going to let you forget it. And she's going to say, you curse all the time, boy. I don't, I promise. And I wasn't lying about that, just saying. Right? Uh, but we, we got to realize that those people that we're around begin to influence us and affect us in ways we don't realize. So sometimes we got to stay away from those circles of friends that are affecting us negatively and be around those people that are affecting us positively. 
you will be a byproduct of your culture and your environment. Okay? So you have to understand this morning that you have to make sure that you control your company. You're in control of it. Well, they just come on over and I don't invite them. Lock the door. I don't know what to tell you. Go home. This ain't your house. I'm going to call the cops on you. I, mean, I don't know what degree you got to put it to. You're in control. Control your, control your area. Control your company. You know, we are supposed to love those that Christ loves, but we should not be spending the more majority of our lives with those who are not pursuers of Christ. Got to have that balance, right? So just like we spend time with other followers of Christ, we should also be spending time with Jesus. How do we do that? We spend time in worship. We spend time in the Word. We spend time in prayer, you know, meditation time. You know, so the best way to reflect Christ is by spending time with Him. That same, that same thing, you know, we take this negative thing, you know, that, that bad company corrupts good morals, but good company will reinforce good morals. That if we're around good people, we're going to begin to think positively. If we're around Jesus, guess what? We're going to begin to act like Jesus. It's just going to happen. You know, so, you know, we have to realize that, you know, we have to spend enough time in God's presence, in His Word, to begin to reflect God in our lives. So two of the greatest uh, things that, that change you, in my opinion, is worship and the Word. Say, Pastor Noe, worship in the Word? Absolutely. And we spend a lot of time doing that as a church because we know that worship will change you and the Word will change you. Okay? Those are two areas that will change you the most. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, he, he's talking, he says, follow my example, be imitators of me. But he didn't stop there. He said, hey, be like Pastor Noe. But he's saying, be like me as I follow the example of Christ. It's like follow the leader. You know, like if you're, in the, if you're in the line and the first person does it, then the next person does it, and the third person, you know, you're following all the actions, do as I do. That's what the idea of as I follow Christ, do what I do because my, I'm mimicking what Christ is doing. Your eyes got to be fixed on something. There has to be a model. There has to be an example. Sometimes we're pursuing, maybe we're following somebody that's doing all the wrong things. And we're copying those things. Quit following the wrong things. Wonder why you're getting bad results? Think about what you're implementing. Think about what you're focusing on. Think about who you're hanging out with. But he says, be imitators of me as I follow the example of Christ. So an imitator refers to a person attempting to be like another person. You know, I remember growing up watching my dad as he taught me how to fish. You know, if you've ever been with, with your father or somebody who is a good fisherman, Lonnie Foltz is one of them. They can catch any fish anywhere at any time. You know, so what I do, you know, I'm talking about the same pole, the same bait, the same setup. So what I'll do, I'll watch how he throws. So this is what I remember growing up watching my dad. So I was like, fish, 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 me, nothing, nothing, nothing. What's going on? Right? So I look at the model, and so he throws it a certain way. So I try to throw my lure right on top of his because I'm like, hey, I'm going to try to get there too. That must be the glory spot. But then I watch how he does it. You know, and what I found out, what I was doing, I was just reeling it in, and those fish are having to run for it. But I began to pay attention to what he did. You know, he would let it hit the water. He'd let it drop. And then he would reel, 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 twitch, twitch. Reel, 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 twitch. 
So I'm sitting there mimicking exactly what he's doing, and that's what I'm talking about, imitating, paying attention to the details of doing what they're doing. If we will watch Jesus that close, and we would allow our lives to model his example, we will be reflectors of Christ. And people will ask you, how would you learn that? Where would you learn to do that? How did you learn to be a fisherman like that? My father showed me. And that's the principle there, right? We pay attention to detail. And then at some point, maybe I start catching some fish. And it's usually because my dad quit fishing. And then the fish gave me a chance. So reflecting Christ, it means being and acting like what he did, imitating him. Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So if we look at that word uh, in the Greek, the word unschooled, ordinary men, uh, you know, it says that here in the Greek, the word is idiotes, which here we get the English word idiots. Stick with me. Don't, don't, Don't take any gutter moments for a minute. Stay with me. So they were just a bunch of idiots, but you realize that them being around Jesus changed everything. So if there's hope for these idiots, there's hope for these idiots. What did Pastor know he called me? I ain't going to that church no more. I don't like those guys. He called me an idiot from the platform. I is one too. Right? we got to realize that. But when you have been around Jesus, it changes everything. It says that these men had been with Jesus, and it changed their reflection. It changed who they are. It, the world could not understand how those people look so much like Jesus. But yet being a reflector of Jesus only happens by being around Jesus. They could see it in their lives. They could see it in their reflection. So this reflection that I'm talking about this morning, it's just not a beard or looking like, but it is actually the words, the actions, the attitudes, the thoughts and the motives that that come out of us. You know, the question I have for you is, do you love what Jesus loves and do you hate what Jesus hates? Do you even know what he loves? Do you even know what he hates? You know, I know that anytime I go to a uh, Valentine's banquet or whatever, we always play a wedding, the newlywed game. Now, husbands... If you know you're coming to a Valentine's banquet at our church, talk with your spouse a little bit before. Get all the questions hashed out. Know what they like, what their favorite food is, what their favorite color. And, and hopefully, if you've spent enough time with somebody, you know what they like and what they don't like and what they're good at and what they're not good at. we got to really know people, right? We don't want to just know their flaws. Husbands, got that? Wives, you got that? How many of you say, oh, I'll tell you my husband's flaws. Oh, I'll tell you my wife's flaws. But do we know the real them? Now, I know a lot of time, I'm going to camp right here on this marriage side just for a minute. I know a lot of times early in our relationship, we invest that time in, in dating our wives and learning about our spouses and figuring out what makes them tick and what makes them tick the other way, right? It just You know, we, we, we learn all of these things. When do we stop that? When we get married? Say, oh, I got them now. I, gotta, I ain't got to fish no more. I ain't got to work for it anymore. When, when does that stop? But some of you this morning, maybe your marriages are struggling because you're not investing that time in building a good relationship. You're not, you're, not, you're not spending time focusing on each other. Well, Pastor Noe, I got kids. You don't understand. Oh, I got three kids. I understand. What's your excuse? Well, I'm retired. Well, yeah, you're there with each other all the time. Like, figure out that new dynamic. 
Well, he's always home now. He's always in my space now. It's just so different. Well, you married him before you had kids or before he retired. You didn't like him to begin with or what? <laughs> Got to invest time in having a healthy relationship. But when we spend time with someone, those relationships grow. You know, I pray that in my marriage, the more and more Becky and I are close together and closely knit, you just see shade variables of the same person. Rather than, oh, Becky's running this way, Pastor Noe's running this way. And I know it's hard right now for us because she's doing children's ministry, I'm pastoring here, so we're focusing on two different ministries. But I hope the things that we value, the things that we love, you see the heartbeat, it's just this beat here, this beat here. And it's just we are intertwined with who we are. You know, I think of that example when God says, we make them one. That's, that's motive, that's heart, that's desire, that's passion, that's goals, that's all of those things. But what God puts together, let no man separate. So fight for that. We get back to these notes. You know, loving what Jesus loves, hating what Jesus hates, you have to know Him to know that. You know, I remember the saying in the 90s, what would Jesus do? That is still a relevant question today. When I'm driving around and I see a homeless guy or I see somebody on the side of the road, they got a flat tire, what would Jesus do? Well, that dude looks scary. Good luck, brother. And just move? Or, hey, do you need help? Can I help? You know, like, which my wife is like, good luck, brother. And she don't stop. But maybe me, maybe I should stop. You know, what, you know, what would Jesus do in a situation? How would Jesus act? How would Jesus respond? Have, do you ever, when you're acting like a fool or you're messing up, have that outer body experience and, you, and God actually shows you yourself for a minute? Ooh, and you're like, man, who's that guy? And he's like, man, that's you. Responding incorrectly, not being compassionate, full of love and forgiving, being overbearing, whatever it may be. So I always go back, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus fly off the handle? Would he be mad? Would he be overbearing? And the answer is no, no, and no. So we say, Lord, keep working in us. You know, I always try to think, you know, what would Jesus do? And then the other thought is that people are always watching, right? I, I, I strive really hard to never destroy my testimony. You know, I've been talking to some leaders and some different people as we implement, like, church policies. What's too strict? What's too harsh? What's, you know, guidelines? All of these things, right? And we're evaluating, you know, what should we do for the life of the church? I'll tell you what, not saying I get it right all the time, but I hold a high line of standard in my life because I want to be able to talk about alcohol and not be an alcoholic. I want to talk about freedom and to be free. I want to talk about spending time in the presence of the Lord and be spending time in the presence of the Lord because I realize that if I am not practicing the things that I'm preaching, I'm being a hypocrite to you. And God has nailed me with that. He says, you hear what you were preaching? Yeah. Why don't you do it? Oh, and it's like, there went the day. I can't even focus on my next message, Lord, because you just wrecked me with revelation. You know, I tell everybody, the life of this church, we are all growing together. There's things that I preach that I haven't arrived at. There's messages that I should be sitting right there receiving these messages, but yet it is something that God is showing us and revealing to us because it's of utmost importance. So others are watching. God is holding us to a high standard. What would Jesus do? Um, so let's look at these two passages, Proverbs 15, 3 in the NIV. It says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And then 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14, it says, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you have learned from me, 
a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of His Holy Spirit who lives in us. Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Guard the gospel. Guard that deposit that was put within you. You know, now I was thinking about how do we act right? How do we, how many of you ever have ever heard the word accountability? How many of you hate accountability? You love accountability? Okay, who you got accountable to you in your life? Ain't nobody. I just don't want to raise my hand because now you're going to force accountability, right? Nobody wants to talk about accountability. Well, this week, you know, I was thinking about, Lord, we all need accountability. Why do we not have it? But what about when accountability doesn't work? Because if you really want to do what you want to do, there ain't no level of accountability that's going to hold you accountable. If the heart motive is wrong. So I started thinking about this, and these two passages wrecked me. It says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. So think about, I'm not telling you to tell me what they are, but think about some of the worst things you've ever done. Maybe it's been current. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe it's been something you're like, ooh. If you get that ooh feeling, that's what I'm talking about, that one, right? So if we really realize that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere and see everything that we do, what kind of level of accountability is that in your life? It's pretty good accountability because I can act right when people are around. Amen? What about when nobody's around? Oh, when nobody's watching. And the enemy tries to get you to agree with that. But this scripture, scripture says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And then if that wasn't enough that he wasn't looking and watching everything you do, he now took the Holy Spirit who's where? Lives within you. So his eyes are everywhere and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So there is great accountability available to us at every single moment of our life. So God is watching. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You know, the word of integrity, you know, it, it means the, the quality of, of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. You know, so integrity is really measured by what you do when no one is watching, not when everyone's watching. Because I think we can put on a show sometimes. Sometimes we can act right. But if we talk about being reflectors of Christ, I want to be a reflector of Christ when nobody's watching. I want to be a reflector of Christ when there's nobody to impress or to prove anything. But I want to please God in every season of my life. I want to know that, you know, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And when he looks down at any moment that I'm honoring God. And that the Holy Spirit inside of me, maybe he's that gauge going, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. What are you doing, big boy? You know that ain't right. Be quiet, Holy Spirit. Go bother me. If we really get to that place of that revelation... Now, we got to be careful because if we try to silence the Holy Spirit long enough, perhaps he'll grow quiet until we come to our senses. But to be a reflector of Christ, we have to look at the internal. We can't just look at the external. Don't fake, but be real. So the Holy Spirit promises to comfort, to guide, to teach, to remind. It empowers us to fulfill all that the law demands of us. So, so my, heart and my, action, by my heart and my actions, we actually live lives that honor God. And when this happens, we become reflectors of Christ by the Holy Spirit working in our life, living under the grace, not under the law. Uh, you know, Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Man, I'm a law person. Let me just be honest with you. Like when I look at it, I'm checking off the list or I'm looking at what I did wrong or what I did right or did I have a good week or did I not have a good week? You know, God really doesn't care that much about that under the new covenant of grace. 
He wants to know that he, that he has all of my heart. He's, he's asking for my heart, not for my perfection. Realize that? He wants my heart to be yielded to him in every season of my life. I believe that if you change your mind, that will change your action, and that will change your life. Say that one more time. If you'll change your mind, it'll change your action, and it will change your life. So where the gospel of Christ is revealed to an unbeliever, this is what happens. Let's look at Ezekiel 11, uh, 19 through 20. It says in verse 19, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Verse 20, and they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. So as we look at this, we see what God does and it sees what we are supposed to do. So they will follow the decrees, you know, be careful to keep the laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And then if we keep going a little bit further, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let's look at this next passage, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 in, in the Christian standard version. It says, Therefore, I say this and I testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded, which means separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 19, they become calloused and gave themselves over to promiscuity, which is lustful pleasures for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So if we stop there, that is where we have come from and we should not remain there. I guess that's why I'm a law guy. I'm like, I like to know all that, Lord, because not that I'm just sitting there measuring up and saying, hey, I'm failing or I'm succeeding, but that I know the standard. I know that as, as culture continues to chaotically spiral out of control, there has to be a clear definition of sin. Because there's a tolerance for everything. I was talking with somebody who said, well why, don't, well, why don't we just let them read their Bible? I said, that's a great theory. People are not reading their Bibles. We've tried that. We've encouraged that. You know, people don't know the truth because they're not reading the Bible. Now, if everybody read the Bible and that was the standard, man, we would fix the problem. But there has to be a clear definition of what sin is. But in verse 20, this is where the, the, the change happens. It says, But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about Him, that you were taught about Him, and the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, it says, Take off your former way of life, your old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Verse 23, To be renewed in, your, in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's what? Likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So it's like if I'm, if I'm wearing a black coat today, you're going to see that I'm wearing a black coat. I take that black coat off and I put on a red coat. You know I'm wearing a red coat. It says to actually take off and remove the old nature and put on the new nature. Now you notice here there's not an option to just not wear a coat. You're always wearing a coat. You can choose a black one that is lawlessness and sin, or you can pick the red one, which is saturated with the blood of Christ. 
that cause righteousness and holiness in your life. And it covers everything you do, will do. And it causes you to represent and reflect Christ. Realize that? But your purpose is found in no one else and nothing else but Jesus. You have to realize that. You will never discover your purpose apart from Jesus. It will never make sense. So Jesus didn't only call us to reflect Him, but He enabled us through the power of His work that gives us the ability to reflect His image. Romans seven eighteen it says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. So if there's anything good in me, if there's anything in me that, that reflects Christ, you know, I can't take credit for that. that. That's the work of Christ in my life. You know, I, I know that... Uh, I'm not a good person by nature. But man, my heart has been radically transformed from how I used to be. From the passions and the desires and, you know, that uh, I will be filled with compassion at moments in my life and for people and, you know, and, you know, and I see that God's passion for people. That's just, you know, because at some point, pastors can lose their stuff if God doesn't continue to put passion for people in their heart. Full of people, full of problems, full of issues. People ask me, how do you deal with it? And oh, God just keeps releasing grace and forgiveness. And I've learned to laugh so I don't cry. He's like, Lord, I don't know. Work on them. They need a whole lot of Jesus because they're acting a whole lot like the world right now. Right? But God will continue to release that in your life. But any good thing in our life, we've got to make sure that we don't take credit for that. But it's the work of the Lord in our life. Galatians 2.20, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 3.20-21, I'm wrapping up. It says, Now to him who is, is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work... Where? Within us. That He's working in us and through us. It says, To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And amen. It says, So my faith and, and my confidence, it's in the Lord. It's not in my own ability. And, and God, the God we serve is able to do more than we could ask or imagine. Now, I know I'm limited in what I think I need to ask for. And sometimes I just say, Lord, do whatever you think you need to do. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm all messed up. And sometimes we got to get to that place where we don't know how to fix it. But I know a great physician who specializes in anything that we have need of. you got to stand on your feet with me. Now this morning, if you want to be a reflector of Christ, the most important thing you will ever do is get to know Him. Some of you may say, Pastor, no, I've grown up in church, I've heard messages, I've, I, I've, I've heard the story of Christ, but I've never, I've never given my life to Him or surrendered to Him. And there's, there, you know, Maybe you're at that place that you realize your heart, you still have that heart of stone and not that heart of flesh. Well, this morning, God wants to give you a heart transplant. You want to know how to reflect Christ? Follow Him. Surrender your life to Him. Let Him work that out in you. We can't be good enough people. But we can be changed people if we allow the power of God to work and move in our life. You know, think about a lemon that's squeezed. When you are squeezed in life, does Jesus come out? 
Because if it's not Jesus, you know what the alternative is. So i got a prayer teams available this morning. Y'all can go ahead and come on up. But I want to give you a chance this morning. I know we're talking about purpose, but you will never discover your purpose apart from a close relationship with Christ. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.